Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 4 Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst at Football Outsiders. And joining me as always is Tom Strachan, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. Tom, last week was a little bit of a rough one for uh, the DFS slate, wasn't it? Yep, really tough week. A lot of people got burned on a lot of plays and, you know, the Miami-Buffalo game didn't really turn into the shootout, we hoped. And unless you had Lamar and Mark Andrews, it was a really difficult day. But, you know, this is DFS. The tough ones are tough and then we just roll on to the next slate. Yeah, on today's show, for those of you watching, we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy, both season-long and DFS, for all the Sunday games as well as the Monday Night Football game. And speaking of fantasy, don't forget to play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Now, even with NFL best ball season over now that we're a few weeks into the year, Underdog does have other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the action. Try their Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Also, try their Pick'em games where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. Basically a bunch of prop bets you string together for a parlay. And that's available even in states where traditional prop betting is currently not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app in the App Store. And don't forget to use that promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Tom, our first game comes on Sunday morning for us over here, but this game is actually being played over in your neck of the woods. It's the London game between Minnesota and New Orleans. The Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites with a 43-point total. Now, from what I've heard, Dalvin Cook is likely to play. I think I saw he was a full participant in practice today. We saw him come back from a a shoulder dislocation uh, really the last two years and wear a harness, and in those games he went for 130 yards and two touchdowns and then 205 yards and two touchdowns. Do you trust Cook against the Saints this weekend? Uh, I think it's it's difficult because, I mean, the situation with the harness, is that a case of who were the opponents? Was it really so much that he felt great? But I think it's more, when I look at the Saints, I don't feel as scared as them as a defense as I thought I would coming into this season. I mean, like the Vikings have been running the ball really well. I think, you know, it's been lost in all the disappointment about Justin Jefferson is how well the Vikings have actually been running the ball and they've been able to get by without Justin Jefferson performing. So if Dalvin Cook's ready to go, I'll definitely be fine putting him in my lineup. The fact that he was a full participant in training today definitely is a really good sign. Um, Aside from that, as far as the Vikings go, I think you've got to start Justin Jefferson. We've seen him have two poor weeks, you know, two games that have resulted in nine catches for 62 yards after like week one when he exploded. But I mean, better days have to be coming. And even if the Saints put Marshawn Lattimore on Justin Jefferson, it's it's on the Vikings staff to come up with ideas of how to move him around and deal with him differently. So yeah, it's from the, from the Vikings, I think those are the only two I'd really want to be starting. Irv Smith has had a really poor start to the season and, KJ Osborne's popped up, but he's more of a better play for like DFS dart throws than uh, somebody you really want to be putting into your fantasy lineup. Yeah, and they're going against that Saints defense you mentioned, but uh, what do you make of the Saints offense now with uh, what seems to be non-serious injuries to Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry? And that Vikings defense has have plenty of fantasy production, but can they be supported by Jameis, who's got an injury of his own? Yeah, I mean, the Saints are in real trouble at the minute. I mean, Jameis Winston hasn't practiced for the second day running. Neither's Michael Thomas. And, I mean, 
I'm no doctor, but flying across from the United States to England when you've got four broken bones in your back doesn't sound like a particularly comfortable experience. So it feels quite thin, the idea that Jameis Winston's going to play this week and Andy Dalton's been taking all the snaps at starter. And we've seen Andy Dalton as a starter enough now. We know that, you know, he'll have his moments. Like he had a good game for the Bears against the Ravens last year when he came on in place of Justin Fields and led the Bears to a win. But are we really trusting him? He's not going to give Chris Olave the kind of crazy air yards that he's been getting. I mean, last week, Chris Olave had nine catches for 147 yards. And now he's second on the team in PPR points. But if Andy Dalton's under center, I would really worry about all of the Saints' pass catches. And as for Alvin Kamara, I mean, there's just nothing really that you can cling to in terms of optimism so far this season. Through three weeks, he's barely combined for 20 PPR points. And Mark Ingram got the touchdown last week. I know we've touched on previously about the splits when Alvin Kamara's played in games for Mark Ingram. They're incredibly disappointing. He sees his receptions drop right down. And it's... But this feels like a situation where if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this week because the Vikings' rush defense ranks 31st in DVOA. So... I mean, I think you kind of have to be willing to roll the dice because you paid a first round, maybe a late early second round pick for him. But there's nobody on the Saints that I feel confident about starting, particularly if Andy Dalton's under center. Yeah, and you mentioned opti- not being a ton of optimism for Kamara. Really, the only optimism we have is that uh, his uh, court court date got pushed back again, I think I saw. So less and less likely he'll be suspended this year. But if he's not... If he's not performing, that makes it even more difficult of uh, deciding to start him or not. Because if he's suspended, obviously, you're not starting him at all. But if he's not, but not performing, it makes it a lot tougher. And uh, you mentioned the the Saints, just all the question marks there. As far as this game betting-wise, coming in as a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, I'm going with Minnesota to cover in this one. Favorites uh, are 21-8-1 in London since 2007, 18-12 straight up. I like Minnesota anyway. Um, they, they came on late to win last week. They didn't cover, which I think we both picked Detroit to cover, but Minnesota to win that game. Uh, and as far as the total unders have also been pretty common in those games over there, uh, hitting in 60% of the last 10. And it was 70% prior to that, uh, last year. Cause they split one and one, uh, on the totals. I think the new Orleans offense, like you said, continues to struggle. Their defense isn't as great as we expected. They are still top 10. I do think they slow down the Vikings just enough. Uh, that the under hits in this game. Yeah, and like, I was digging into some of the London stats and I was like, you know, I've been to a lot of these games and it always feels like the under hits there. And I was like, oh, well, maybe maybe it's something in like which team might have the edge here. But weirdly, both these teams have played two games each in London and they've both gone 2-0 and in them. So one of these teams will pick up the first loss, you'd imagine, this weekend. And I'm siding with you on this. I think that Minnesota, they just seem to be a team in a better place right now. I know they had the ugly loss to the Eagles, but nothing about the Saints is inspiring me. And I'll go with Vikings to cover, the Vikings on the money line and the under as well. So... Sadly, not going to it, but if it goes uh, as a low-scoring affair, I'll just sit at home and watch it anyway. <laughs> so that'll be early for us. I, we'll be, I'm up early anyway, but that'll be – it's always a little weird getting up and uh, being up for an hour or two and the football's already on <laughs> when you didn't get up and sleep in until 11.30. But it's always fun to have some football in the morning and just go through the whole day. So looking forward to that one. And then 
Jacksonville uh, plus six and a half at Philadelphia is another one I'm looking forward to. 47-point total. Uh, it's also the Doug Peterson reunion. He's making his way back to Philadelphia this weekend. This is one of those that could be this week's shootout. Now, both offenses are top five in DVOA and top seven in scoring, but the defenses are also top six in DVOA and top seven in scoring. Uh, likely playing all your stars, or not likely, you are playing all the stars in season long. Your Christian Kirks, A.J. Brown, even, you know Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, all those guys. But who are your favorite DFS plays this week from this game? Yeah, so I think Jalen Hurts in DFS offers really big leverage this week um, because above him in price, you've only got Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and that game is garnering all the attention. But if the Jaguars are able to turn this into a, a shootout in the same way they were able to put up points on the Chargers last week, who last week we were talking about the Chargers having a good defense and, you know, it might not be easy for the Chargers for the Jags, but like, I always fancy them to push them because they just, they're surprising and they're going well. And they seem to have that good confidence about them. So if this game turns into a shootout and you go with Jalen Hurts instead of Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Buffalo game turns into a bit of a damn squib, then if Jalen Hurts goes off again, then you really have a huge leg up on the field. I mean, through three games, he's averaging 30.8 DraftKings points. He's gone over 300 passing yards twice, which is something which we don't always see at a dual threat quarterbacks. And when you go over 300 yards on DraftKings, you pick up a three-point bonus, which is huge. So really like Jalen Hurts this week. I think Devonta Smith, I'm just going to keep playing him until he stops being amazing. I definitely won't be playing Miles Sanders. I feel like last week was a game where we should have seen Miles Sanders a lot, you know, the Eagles were just doing what they wanted. It should have been time for Miles Sanders to just soak up carries, but it just doesn't happen. They don't seem interested in making him a thing. He isn't interested in becoming a thing by the looks of it. So Miles Sanders is firmly in the fade category. And I'm really interested to see how James Robinson does on the other side of the ball. Like, I love James Robinson. When he, when he plays, he's so electric. The 50-yard touchdown he had last week, he just exploded through the line of scrimmage. And, you know, he went off against the Chargers, who ranked top 12 in run defense DVOA, but it didn't matter to him. He ran for 17 times for 100 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, lots of plays that I like in that one. I'll be stacking it heavily. Yeah, you mentioned Miles Sanders uh, not really wanting to be a thing. Wasn't it uh, him that, that said, don't draft me in fantasy this year? That's right, yeah. <laughs> So it looks like he knew, he knew, he, knew. he tried yeah, to warn I, us. I listened to him. Yeah, same, same. Now, for me on this one, uh, one you mentioned Devontae Smith. It's been the Devontae Smith show the last couple of weeks. I do like A.J. Brown, uh, the the prop line for him, over, 107, over 175, geez, over 75 and a half receiving yards. He's got totally started off the year with that 155-yard performance. Even since then, 69 and 85 yards in those other games with Devontae Smith going off. He gets the targets. I think he gets there uh, over that 75-yard mark and has a big game. As far as the overall picks here, I picked Jacksonville as my favorite potential upset in our staff picks. But much like my Detroit pick last week, I expect Philadelphia to win. I do think uh, I will go Jacksonville to cover. I think they're, they've are they played really well lately. And in, kind of like you said, um, with Devontae Smith, until they don't, uh, you know, I think they're a good bet to cover here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence keeps it close, uh, as I mentioned, in this Doug Peterson reunion. Both offenses are seventh in situation neutral pace and in first half pace. Uh, the defenses are good, but Philly's hard to slow down. Uh, so I'm going to go with the over here. Um, I'm surprised compared to some of the other games that we've seen 
uh, be higher than this, that this one's only 47. Again, that's kind of middle of the pack. Uh, but I like the over with these two teams, these two offenses that have looked really good so far. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Philly to cover. I just feel like, you know, we are going to get a good game out of it, but I feel like they have just enough to just squeak over the six and a half and cover. And yeah, I'll also go with uh, the over on this one because 47 just feels low compared to some of the games that are sitting at around 48 and 49. So in agreement with you there, Ian. Absolutely. And then we move on. Uh, speaking of one of those games could be a shootout. The other pick for this week's track meet and probably the biggest game of the weekend. Buffalo minus three at Baltimore with a 51 point total. Much higher here. This is one I could see being lower like we saw last week between Miami and uh, Buffalo. We'll get into that in a minute, though, because, you know, this is just a great game. Baltimore is the top offense in the league in DVOA. Buffalo's sixth. They both excel in passing at top five but are 19th or worse in rushing. And I think your stack of the week comes from this game, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I've definitely gone all in on this game with my stack of the week, and I've gone with Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, and Dawson Knox. So it's a big, expensive stack. It's going to take above 50% of your salary in DraftKings. But I think it really targets a few areas which can be exploited. Like the Bill's secondary is banged up and missing several key pieces. Lamar Jackson's been willing to throw at a really aggressive rate. And Duvernay and Bateman are most likely the players who are going to be targeted for those downfield shots. We know that Lamar is really just going, like I think he's got like 11.3 yards per attempt at the minute. So it's really way above an awful lot of the quarterbacks in the league. And then on the other side of the ball, bringing Dawson Knox back as part of that stack. The Ravens have allowed the seventh most points to tight ends this season, despite only playing the Jets, Dolphins and Patriots. And none of those really uh, tight ends of no. So it's going to be a very pricey stack. But if you play in large field tournaments, I like the chances that if this game goes off, those could be the difference makers. So just a general question now, kind of piggybacking on that. Um, when you do a lineup like that where you've got a lot of money tied up in well, four guys, what is your strategy going through the rest of the lineup? Are you looking for cheaper running backs that are going to be uh, that are going to be winning uh, their games or guys that are going to – same with receivers that are going to be losing that are the pass-catching backs and then your lower-priced receivers that are going to be in games playing catch-up mode? Yeah, I mean, when I build DraftKings lineups, it's all about a combination of – looking for players that are not rostered huge amounts by other people, as well as finding what's the ceiling for, like, what's the ceiling outcome. So for this lineup, it'll definitely be a case of try to find, I won't be able to afford the Jonathan Taylors or Derek Henrys of this slate. Instead, it'll be looking at the running backs who are in that sort of 5,000 to 6,000 range. But then finding a couple of wide receivers with higher ceilings built around them, because even if Rashad Bateman goes off, you know, we might only see a 20-point game out of him. Devin Duvernay might be a 15-point game. But if Lamar's getting a 45-point game as he's been doing, then that combination's fine and will carry us. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it really just comes down to when you start building a lot of the time, there's no there's no key which you can use all the time on it, unfortunately. Right. And uh, one of those, you didn't mention this name, but Stefan Diggs is a guy uh, that is one. I was looking at the props here. He's at over his, his receiving lines at 79 and a half yards. We've got Gabe Davis, who's dealing with that ankle injury. Still, he played last week, didn't do a whole ton. Uh, he was held, Diggs was held to 74 yards last week. 
but Baltimore is only 20th against number one wide receivers. And Diggs had 148 and 122 the prior two weeks in a game with a high total that we're expecting to be a high scoring game. That's one that I like for Diggs to go over that 79 and a half yards. And then looking at the, the line on this and the money line, the money and the bets are on Baltimore pretty much across the board here. 52% of spread bets and 65% of money line bets. 84% of money's on the spread and 80% on the money line on Baltimore, which is a little surprising to me. And I'm going to go the other way and take Buffalo to win and thus cover. Uh, the Buffalo defense, you mentioned, a little banged up. They're still second overall. Baltimore's just average uh, in the uh, around at league average. But Baltimore does lead the league in scoring. Buffalo's third. So the Bills get back to putting up points, in, and this one goes over. And I do think Buffalo wins this one. How about you? I'm going to lean with my Ravens and, you know, maybe I'm being I a bit of a Ravens fan. That's right. <laughs> maybe I'm being a bit of a homer here, but it's, I just think, you know, when a team's playing as scintillating as the Ravens are doing, they just went into Foxborough and absolutely mm-hmm. dominated the Patriots. I'm completely fine with just saying that home advantage here is going to win out. And I know that the Bills are a great team, but they didn't look particularly comfortable last week. And, you know, we saw them in a game script where it was quite unusual, the amount of plays they had, and it really didn't seem to do very good things for them. But Gabe Davis sounds like he's still dealing with injuries. I don't think the Bills are comfortable running the ball through Devin Singletary a lot. Like, he had a great week last week for fantasy, but it was because he was so involved in the pass game. So I just feel like the Ravens have just enough to cover this one and to, to win the game. You mentioned it might be a little bit of a homer pick, but that's okay. That's what I did in the Green Bay game last week. It was so close. I, I just said, I'm going to go with my heart, go Green Bay, and it worked. So so not a bad pick at all there. Now, going to move, stay up in the Northeast and move to that Chicago and Giants game. The Bears are plus three at New York, 39.5 point total, very low total on this one. Chicago somehow two and one, mostly due to their early season schedule. They have wins over San Francisco and Houston, the loss to Green Bay. The Giants' first loss came Monday to Dallas, but they lost even more with Sterling Shepard tearing his ACL on. I believe it was the final play of that game, which really is just a tough break for him, a tough loss for that team. But him specifically, just three games into his return from that torn Achilles, who do you think steps into his role and becomes fantasy relevant? Is it Richie James, who's had some pretty good moments? He's the one. He's one of the props that we picked on Monday uh, that hit there. Or uh, once Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Tony are healthy, is it one of those guys? Yeah, I think when Wandale Robinson's healthy, I do think he's naturally going to slide into that slot role, which is now vacated because of Sterling Shepard's injury. As far as Kadarius Tony goes, it, it's just a complete wild card. We never know whether he's going to touch the field, how many snaps he's going to get, like what's he going to do. Kenny Galladay, I mean, we saw that egregious drop that he had on Monday night and it looked really bad and it just doesn't seem like a good situation it's, despite how much the Giants are on the hook for. It just feels like if there was a way out right now, then both sides would want to take it. So I would lean towards Richie James. I think he's, you know, he's been pretty impressive through three games. He's had at least five targets in all of them. He's had five receptions in two, four in the last one. And he's been doing okay. I mean, as far as DraftKings goes, he's $4,000. So if you are looking for a punt wide receiver this week, it's definitely in play and something that's feasible. It's just... You know, these low over-under games where you're talking about under 40 points, it really becomes a little hard to play anyone. I think a lot of the attention on this game is going to go to Khalil Herbert, who, after David Montgomery went down last week, he just balled out. And Herbert's somebody I was 
banging banging on the roof for all off summer saying that if you were doing hero or zero RB drafts in best ball, he was exactly the kind of target you wanted because of the opportunity he had. And then he goes out and rushes for 20 times for 157 yards and two touchdowns. I think this game, it doesn't sound like Montgomery's going to play, but we haven't heard too much yet. This game can be a real audition for Herbert. I mean, last year he had three games where Montgomery missed and in those games, he averaged 19.3 PPR points. And that was against the Packers, Bucks and 49ers who were all good defenses. So I find it really hard to be interested on anything on the Chicago side, apart from Khalil Herbert. And on the Giants side, I'd probably be looking at Saquon Barkley, but I wouldn't play the two of them in the same lineup because when you get the two running backs of opposing teams, they just tend to run the clock down and prevent both players from hitting their ceiling outcomes. Yeah, you mentioned a good uh, audition for Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery is a free agent after this year. There's been a lot of talk or there was a lot of talk in the offseason and preseason about the coaching staff really liking Khalil Herbert. So a big opportunity for him if David Montgomery doesn't play, but should get work regardless there, too. And as far as betting this game, it's really ugly. Uh, I don't really trust the Bears with Justin Fields not throwing the ball. Not that I don't trust Fields. It's just they're content running the ball a ton. Um, I just... This one, it's like I said, it's ugly. It's tough. I like the Giants to win it, to cover minus three or to, to push. It could be a close, low-scoring, ugly game. And I do like the under 39 and a half. But I just don't don't trust anything about that Bears Bears team right now. Yeah, I've, I've gone the opposite way. I'm going to go with the Bears because I don't trust the Giants team right now. <laughs> I think, you know, Wing Martindale, their defensive coordinator, is playing like he used to run the Ravens defense when he had superstars, and they're being exposed for it. We saw on Monday night that Cooper Rush was checking into run plays that just exposed the aggressiveness of the Giants. And I'm not saying that I think that the Bears are necessarily as good as an offense overall because we've seen we really have very little, but they have been good running the ball. And I just feel like that... The Giants are in a world of pain. They're going to struggle to move the ball, and I'll just I'll lean with the Bears to cover, and I'll go under because that's just the theme of this week for me. <laughs> Especially in this one, uh, under yeah. that's again thirty nine and a half points. Both taking the under there. So staying in uh, the NFC East with uh, the Giants too. We're going to move on to Washington plus three at Dallas. This one's only a couple points higher on the total, forty one and a half points. Uh, I mean, don't look now. Dallas is two and one. More importantly. 2-0 with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Uh, they've got a pretty fantasy-friendly matchup here against the 28th-ranked Washington defense, giving up the fifth-highest passing yards per game. Another big game for CeeDee Lamb. We saw him have the drop, but redeem himself with a fourth-down catch and then that, that amazing touchdown catch. Yeah, and I really like CeeDee Lamb coming into this game. I mean, he's, uh, he's in a really sweet spot of fantasy point of um, price points this week where I think he's just around, let me just see, I think 6,600, 6,800, 6,700. So he's very affordable, and I would imagine that a lot of people end up getting drawn to him because he's put up those back-to-back good performances. I think particularly because so many of the top 24 players in fantasy drafts have disappointed this season through the first few weeks, whereas Lamb put up 15.1 points and then 22.7. We've seen that he can be fantasy viable despite having Cooper Rush there. I mean, if Lamb had caught that long ball on Monday night, then he could have scored even more points. He's been targeted 11 or more times in every week. Uh, You know, the commander's defense ranks 25th against wide receiver ones and has given up the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. 
And then the last thing, I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't need to go on at this point, but it's like Lamb, he leads the Cowboys in routes from the slot, which is an area the commanders have struggled to cover. They've given up big days to Christian Kirk with 20.7 points, and then Eamon Rassane Brown had 42.4 points. So I really just struggle to see a world where the commanders are able to deal with Lamb this week. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the wide receiver one there was a big uh, popular pick for Dak went down, I think, uh, to be potentially the, the top wide receiver overall with all the, the, the targets he was going to get. On the other side, are you comfortable starting any Washington players against that the solid Dallas defense? I mean, Saquon had a big game. A lot of it came on that long touchdown late. He did have, I think, four or five catches um, had you know, decent production on the ground, nothing great, but the, the long touchdown really made his day look a lot better than it was. I think not that he had a terrible day, but do you like any of those running backs uh, or, or Antonio Gibson or is this a JD McKissick week? I'm not sure. I really see Dallas pulling away and getting up big where they're just dumping off a ton. So what are you looking for from Washington here? Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's in play at 6,000 this week, which is kind of out range where you know no running backs fit he's not going to attract an awful lot of attention because Khalil Herbert's slightly cheaper people would rather pay down in that case uh, and Dallas have allowed players to run on them I and mean, we saw Saquon Barkley looked great running against them this week I think the only other player I trust is Curtis Samuel who again led the team in targets with 10 Terry McLaurin scored a touchdown in garbage time but Samuel's just going to feel like the safer play. But because of that, you do need to be wary of the fact that lots of people are going to be playing him. He's 5,700 on DraftKings, but I'd expect probably between 10 to 15% of lineups in the Millie Maker to be rostering him. Um, aside from that, I think, you know, Jahan Dotson had a great week one and looked really good, but it just seems really difficult to know when to play him. Mm-hmm. I think if I was playing redraft, I uh, would probably lean away from playing him because we have seen the Cowboys have days where they do shut down opposing uh, passing attacks. But yeah, generally speaking, Curtis Samuel, you can't go wrong. And looking, uh, moving on to the betting angle on this one, uh, another one I was surprised, 85% of the money on the commander's money line here. My gut wants to go Washington but I don't think I can do it. I'm I, I want to go. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Um, I just think their defense is is better, uh, and a lot of times, you know, the uh, like to go with a better defense when I'm kind of split on the offense. Uh, and then 90 percent of the money as well on the under. I'm going to go the contrarian route on this one. I think Carson Wentz does get the Commanders into the end zone uh, a few times and pushes the total over 41 and a half. Uh, or maybe a couple times, a few field goals, just enough to get it over. But I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game by any means. Yeah, I've, I've I've also gone with you over. I feel like, you know, there's, there's enough about these teams that they can keep pushing it. Uh, but I've gone with Dallas to cover because I think, you know, when you're talking about an in-division game like this with Washington looking as bad as they did last week, I think Micah Parsons is absolutely going to terrorize them and the Cowboys crowd will just be so up for it. Yeah, so we're in agreement on that one again. And this is actually uh, our fourth highest confidence straight up pick this week. Uh, Football Outsiders says the Cowboys here. And those of you watching, you can also get all of our NFL picks. You'll hear me mention some of these confidence picks. You can get access to all of these every week with an FL Plus subscription. Sign up for just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. 
So that takes us into another divisional matchup, Tennessee plus three and a half at Indianapolis, 43 point total on this one. Tennessee finally won surprising us against the Raiders who are, are zero and three sadly for them. And then of course, when you say to fade Derrick Henry, cause he's not getting receptions, uh, not as efficient, he goes and gets five catches on six targets. So does this restore your faith in him? Is this more of a one-off? And then on the other side with Jonathan Taylor, kind of a slow uh, last couple games, he was efficient against the Jaguars, just didn't get the volume. Uh, so I guess you can talk about these two guys together, two of the top running backs in fantasy. Or t- yeah, drafted I mean, as the top guys. Yeah, it was definitely a tough week for me after saying that Derrick Henry was the fade of the week. Um, but I do think that it's going to be a really interesting matchup because you look at these two and neither of them have been performing particularly well so far. Jonathan Taylor had a big week one and then has done very little since. Derrick Henry had a big week three, but apart from that, has done very poorly. They've both been sort of, you know, just about getting by. Jonathan Taylor's had nine red zone attempts. Derrick Henry's not the team hasn't gotten down to the red zone enough to really give him that. So it's been a bit brutal for him. Neither of them are particularly getting those massive breakaway runs that we really want to see them doing and that they've both done in previous years. So it's a little bit tricky. I think, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor's put up point totals of 7.3 and 12.1 in the last two games. And whereas last year, he only had three games below 12.5 the entire season. So we really need to see him start exploding if we're going to actually get that. Um, but on the Derrick Henry side of things, I do, I would like to see another big game out of him. I'd love to see the reception stay consistent because that is what's really going to make a big difference to his fantasy fortunes. But the Colts rank second in run de- defense DVOA. So I don't want to say fade Derrick Henry again this week, but I'm not playing him. I'm sure uh, Derrick Henry owners want you to say it and then uh, <laughs> expecting him to go off. But yeah, I had that here too. You know, with the you know, Indianapolis number two against the run that can slow him down. I don't totally trust Hannahill, but uh, kind of contradicting myself here a little bit. Uh, perhaps there is a prop that I looked at in this one Traylon Burks to score in this game. Uh, is plus 410 at FanDuel. Indy's only 27th against number one wide receivers, 16th against wide receiver twos, depending on how you view him and Robert Woods. They're 24th against the pass in the red zone. Uh, You mentioned them not really getting into the red zone a ton, but I do think they get there, and I think Traylon Burks gets his first NFL touchdown this week. Again, plus 410 at FanDuel. I think there's some uh, good value there. As far as the overall um, scope of this game, Mentioned both teams got big wins last week. Uh, the Colts took down the Chiefs, very surprisingly. The money split on the spread, but 74% in favor of the Titans' money line. One of the tougher games for me this week, just the way these two teams have played. A couple years ago, we saw Tennessee win the blowout. We saw Indianapolis win in a blowout. Um, I'm going to say Indy wins, but the Titans cover, sitting at three and a half, uh, having, having the potential for a three-point uh uh, win for Indy, uh, I think it's pretty big. They can slow down Derrick Henry, don't completely trust Tannehill. And then they're two of the slower pace teams in the league. So I lean with the under on this one as well. How about you? So uh, I've gone a different way on this. So I've got the Colts to cover, but uh, I've gone, wait a minute, I've gone, yeah, and then I've gone Titans to win it. So yeah, but also I've gone under. So <laughs> just it just feels like this is going to be a messy game. I'm not sure anyone's going to have a particularly big fantasy blowout day and you could just kind of see it being like 21-18, something like that, and not a game which anybody's particularly happy with. 
yeah, not a lot really to love from either of these teams so far, but both coming off wins. So could could maybe have some uh, momentum coming into this one. Going to go out west, or not out west, but out to Texas. The Chargers at Houston. So I thought that was at L.A. again. But yeah, Chargers five-point favorites against the Texans. 44-point total. Both teams coming off losses. Chargers now have lost uh, offensive lineman Rashawn Slater for the season, I believe. Justin Herbert still banged up. Joey Bosa on IR on the defensive side. Had the brutal loss to Houston last year. Ended up being a big part of why they missed the playoffs, why it came down to that Week 18 matchup with the Raiders. Can we still count on Justin Herbert in this offense right now? I don't think so. I mean, he didn't look good at all last week. He didn't look comfortable. The Chargers passing game didn't seem to be doing particularly great. Josh Palmer, someone who I was quite high on coming into this year, has been really struggling to separate and that didn't seem to help Herbert because he didn't seem to be really wanting to force things as much as possible. I think the main person that you could really count on is Austin Eckler and he's had 22 targets so far through three games, which has kept him afloat because he's only had 80 rushing yards. So it's not like yeah. he's been really getting it done in the way we'd like him to because Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly keep getting work out of the backfield. So, But I do think that this is the kind of week where we really could see Eckler blow up and the Texans rank 30th in run defense DVOA and they just allowed Khalil Herbert 157 yards and two touchdowns and that was a week after allowing Broncos running backs to combine for 150 yards so I'm not too sure I'll be playing many of the pass catchers from this game but yeah definitely Eckler feels like the blow up spot and then you mentioned pass catching Brandon Cooks off to a slow start He's been a popular buy low candidate for things that I've seen. Um, are you still buying him in season long or do you think he's, he, it's going to be a down year for him all the way through? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's a tough one in season long. I feel like positive regression is coming. I mean, he's seen, he saw seven targets in week one, but then since then no Texans players seen more than four targets per game. So it's very tricky to really trust it because for years, we've seen Brandon Cooks be able to deal with whatever quarterback was thrown at him. But his catch rates really regressed this year. It's down in the, like, the mid-40s, whereas normally it's like in the 60s to 70s. So uh, it just feels like as long as the volume keeps coming, eventually that target, that catch rate is going to positively regress and good things will come. I'm just... I don't know. If you play an Austin Eckler, you could easily run that back as a nice correlation on DraftKings this week. But... I mean, the Texans just need to get going, really. They don't look as feisty and fun as a lot of people, including myself, thought they had the potential to be this year. Nico Collins been just completely a nobody. He's averaging yeah. like 41 yards per game, and he was also somebody that I was quite high on coming into the year. Yeah, and uh, going to go back a second, too, to you mentioned Austin Eckler <laughs> potentially having a big game. That uh, kind of ties in one thing that I had, one of the props here. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, I, I only found this a couple places, but his rushing total at 13 and a half yards. Um, at the under on that, I think I'm going just with the, the injury route. He's rushed only five times this year, totaling nine yards. Four rushes week one, two in week two, one in week three. We know he's hurt, obviously limiting his rushing, uh, perhaps more throwaways, more checkdowns where he could normally run the ball. So if you can find that, I, I like the under there. I think that's a, a good play. Uh, unless he's magically healed this week and decides to take <laughs> off. But I uh, don't see that happening with that injury there. Uh, and then overall, the scope of this game, Houston, 30th in offensive DVOA, just average on defense at 17th. 
Uh, we've mentioned uh, the Chargers have their concerns, 14th and 15th in offense and defense, respectively. Uh, Keenan Allen should be back in this one, though. I do like L.A. to cover just against an inferior Texans team despite the injury concerns that they have. Uh, it was forgot to mention, too, I think it's Jalen Guyton is the, the one who tore his ACL and is out. Um, do still have guys you mentioned, Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter, as well as Mike Williams and probably Keenan Allen back. I think they've got enough to win this and to cover. Um, and I don't think Houston scores enough for the over to hit. They've yet to score more than 20 points. Uh, so I uh, get Chargers to cover and the, the, uh, the under here. Yeah, exact same thought process and all of that for me. Perfect. I got some agreement there. That's what I like to hear. Uh, moving on, going to head to the Jets and Pittsburgh. Jets are plus three at Pittsburgh, 41 and a half points in this, another lower total. Really an unappetizing game here. Zach Wilson's back for the Jets, but who knows what to expect there. Uh, the Pittsburgh offense really uninspiring so far, right in the middle of the league uh, in DVOA. Anyone you're targeting in this game, or is this kind of a throwaway? I think it's definitely a game. I'm I'm fading the Jets there. The team, you know, after Derrick Henry put pie in my face last week with the fade of the week, I'm going with the Jets this week because it sounds like Zach Wilson's going to be back, and you know we've really not seen an awful lot of Zach Wilson in having a good run, and now he's going to come come up against a defense for I would class as, you know, they're not on top form, but they're still quite a sophisticated defense and they're well coached. And I would really worry about what Zach Wilson's going to be able to do in this game. On the Pittsburgh side of things, I think Pat Frymouth is probably the most consistent performer there. Um, but then he had a two for 41 game last week against the Browns. But the Jets, I think they're probably the more obvious sort of scenario. Like, you know, it feels easier for Pat Frymouth to go off against the Jets than it was against the Browns. So, yeah, Pat Frymouth, as a one-off, I don't mind. He's 4,200 on DraftKings, which is quite cheap for a tight end. And on the other side of the ball, I guess you can talk yourself into Tyler Conklin because he's currently the tight end three in fantasy. Um, but yeah, Double digits every week so far, and he's hitting targets. Yeah, but I mean, we've yet to see him with Zach Wilson, so perhaps it's a situation where the scheme really is favouring the tight ends, and we saw that the Jets did go out and they got him and Uzoma this year. They wanted those tight ends and to rejuvenate the room. So perhaps he's able to keep it going, but that would be a real dart throw shot for me. Yeah, not not a lot to like about this one, and uh, I'm siding betting-wise betting, betting – like I mentioned a, a few games, I'm, I'm going to go with the better defense, take Pittsburgh to cover or push. It's a three-point total, so it could push there. But I'm going to take uh, Pittsburgh, and I'll take the under. Said offense, neither offense really inspires much confidence for me. It looks like you probably are, are in agreement there. Yeah, yeah, no, no disagreements on any of that. Yeah, pretty simple, pretty simple thought process there. I think uh, moving on to Seattle and Detroit. Seattle is plus four going into Detroit. Forty-eight point total. I was. A little surprised at the total on this one when I first looked at it. Uh, I mean, we know the Detroit offense has been really good fantasy-wise and put up a lot of points. Uh, the defense hasn't been so great. That's a perfect recipe for fantasy purposes, though, isn't it? Especially against the 30th-ranked Seahawks defense. Yeah, definitely. I think there's lots of ways you can approach this game. I mean, Geno Smith is kind of currently ranking really well in all kinds of quarterback metrics. You know, PFF love him. I know he ranks uh, 10th in DVOA ahead of Russell Wilson, who's 12th. So it's it's definitely interesting. I think if there's going to be a game where the Seahawks pass catchers can have a big game, 
then this feels like one because the Lions like to play quicker than any other team in the league in situation neutral pass plays. So uh, that's definitely going to be really interesting. I think Jamal Williams is obviously going to headline this game from a fantasy perspective because particularly on DraftKings, you're getting a running back who immediately is going to step in and take a huge workload with DeAndre Swift uh, struggling with his shoulder injury and an ankle injury. We've seen Jamal Williams be used as the goal line back over Swift already, and only Jonathan Taylor has more carries inside the red zone than Williams. The Seahawks rank 21st in run defense DVOA, so it really sets up for Jamal Williams. And then on the other side of the ball, I absolutely love DK Metcalf this week. He's averaging more targets per game through three games than he's done in any season of the NFL so far that he's been there. So he's up at 8.3 targets per game. And obviously it's, you know, the Geno targets. They're not, they're not Josh Allen targets, but if he's going to have a good game, then it feels like this is the one. Yeah, it looks like you pretty much read my mind. I was going to say, you know, D- looking up DK Lockett, both getting the targets, no real booms with Gino. was going to ask you if this is the week, so it seems like this could be the week for for those guys. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the Seahawks – sorry, man. Uh, yeah, they're going up against a defense that's allowed the ninth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So if the Seahawks wide receivers don't do it this week, then it's going to be really concerning going forward. Absolutely. And uh, – uh, Pick-wise, this one, uh, we have Detroit as our fifth highest confidence straight-up pick, but it's the second lowest confidence spread pick. Seattle is projected just slightly below that four-point line, so a a tough one to pick. Um, And those are data points you can get every week with an FO Plus subscription uh, for just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Those are our weekly NFL betting picks. Um, I'm going to go to Detroit to cover his favorite this week in the over. Uh, all three of their games have hit 52 points or more. As I said, the offense is putting up a lot. The defense isn't good. Just kind of a recipe for points. Uh, while the Seattle offense has struggled to score, I do think they get in the end zone. Like you said, this is the week to do it against the below average Lions defense. So I like the over um, at 48 points and Detroit to cover uh, and win this one. So I've, I've gone with Detroit to cover and to win it, but I've gone with the under. I think, you know, we're talking – we could be in that kind of territory of like 27-20, 27-18 sort of thing. Uh, and even though I'm backing the Seahawks pass catchers to get where they need to be in fantasy, I'm not sure the overall points total from Seattle is going to reflect it. Yep, the fan- Get the fantasy points, but perhaps not the scoreboard points <laughs> this week with Seattle. Uh, moving on, Seattle's opponent from last week, uh, Atlanta hosting Cleveland. Uh, the Browns are one-point favorites. I think this one opened at two or two and a half and has dropped down a point or a point and a half to Cleveland minus one. Falcons have been pretty feisty this year. They almost blew that game last week, but they won. They finally got Kyle Pitts to work like we predicted. We said we both agreed over three and a half catches. He got five. Drake London also scored again. Now, they have a tougher matchup this week. Are they worth playing, or are you looking elsewhere? And then also with Drake London, is he a sell-high candidate for season long, or can he keep up the production of the the first wide receiver taken in the draft? I think it's difficult because last week, yeah, we saw Cal Pitts eventually get targeted, and we knew there was that squeaky wheel narrative. But it seemed to be... Um, you know, it was their first offensive snap that they sent a ball to Kyle Pitts. And then on the first drive, he saw four targets alone. But then as the scripted plays run out, so did Pitts' usage. And he only saw another four targets throughout the game. I mean, after, you know, 10 minutes into the game, you're looking at the stat sheet and you're just like, yes, this is it. This is Kyle Pitts' week. It's finally here. And then four more through the rest of the game just felt very disappointing. It felt like 
perhaps Arthur Smith's using up all his creativity to get Kyle Pitts the ball, but then he can't figure out what to do with Drake London, who saw his fewest receptions of the season with only three. So it's still quite difficult to decide whether to play both of them. I do feel like Drake London is going to have plenty more boom games, and I do feel more confident in him than I do in Kyle Pitts, to be honest, going forward. So I'd be fine playing both of them. I think I really like Amari Cooper in this game. Uh, I think yeah, he's averaged 30.8% team target share across three games and a back-to-back games with over 100 yards and a touchdown. I think Nick Chubb is going to be incredibly popular this week. He was off the main slate last week because he was on the Thursday night game. But yeah, he's one of the very few running backs who hasn't been letting fantasy managers down. So I think he's going to be popular. But if you choose to play Amari Cooper instead, if Nick Chubb has a bad game, then you immediately gain leverage on all the people who've rostered Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Chubb being the one that didn't let everyone down in my my home fantasy league. We've got a keeper league, so Jonathan Taylor was off the board. Joe Mixon was off the board. It was uh, Derek Henry at the top, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Dalvin Cook. And the guy who went third took Nick Chubb. Uh, and we are all kind of like, what are you doing? Like he's, He would have been there in the second round. He maybe would have made it back uh, – Given the, the keepers that were off the board, he may not have made it, but it kind of proven him right. Maybe not the best value pick there, but he's uh, laughing in our faces right now. So uh, Nick Chubb, yeah, having a great season. I like him. Uh, it's a high high rushing yardage here at 86 and a half. Um, for him, though, I mean, his lowest total this season is 87. Cleveland's still riding the run. We did see Brissett. He's been efficient. He's top 10, I believe, in both DYAR and DVOA, which are Football Outsiders stats. Um, but this team still runs through Chubb right now. Uh, Atlanta's 27th in DVOA against the run and in defensive adjusted line yards. They're, th- they're only 31st in stuff rate. Only one team has a lower stuff rate. 25th in second-level yards allowed. I think if Chubb even gets gets just like 15 carries, he can easily get to 86 and a half, and I imagine he's going to get more. I think he's averaged uh, – I think he's gotten a 20 carries in each game. I think there was a 22 and a 23. Uh, there might have been just a 20, or he might have been just under it. But he's getting those yards. So I like Nick Chubb uh, to continue his production against them. And then Cleveland was actually my best spread pick of the week this week in our staff picks. Potentially not having Miles Garrett hurts after that uh, his uh, car accident early this week. But I think Cleveland's going to be too much and covers the one-point spread. Could be a sneaky high-scoring game. Maybe not sneaky since it's a 48.5-point total. But bottom half of the league in situation-neutral pace. Cleveland's actually ninth fastest when leading by seven or more. But Atlanta's below average across the board in pace. So I'm leaning the under on this. Uh, and it's under and Cleveland to cover. I've gone with the over and I've gone with Atlanta. I feel like, you know, there's very few games which Atlanta are really going to be in with a good shot of winning this year, and home games like this are really going to matter. And I just feel like Atlanta, are, things are going to click from this week, and we might actually see a little more production from the passing game than we have in the last few weeks. And Marcus Mario's agility and ability to get outside the pocket might come up big. Yep, so uh, going opposites on this one too. We love it. We love it. <laughs> Moving on, Arizona at Carolina, another close game. Arizona plus one and a half at Carolina, 42 and a half point total. Now, the big question mark this week is Christian McCaffrey, of course. Uh, I had seen the injury news, but 
was in trade talks, actually made a trade for him yesterday. Uh, I've got uh, Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook, so maybe deal one of, one of those guys. But now looking at it, uh, McCaffrey has not practiced yesterday, did not practice yesterday or today. So a little concerning uh, with what we've heard, which, again, isn't much. They're playing it pretty close to the, to the vest here. Are you comfortable playing him in a good matchup overall if he plays? It's average for fantasy running backs, but offense-wise, it's a good matchup. Uh, so what do you think about McCaffrey with what he's given us? He's not getting the catches, but if he's healthy, is he playable? I think if he's healthy and if, you know, you're getting positive reports, you know, if Ian Rapshie and Adam Schefter overnight are tweeting out things saying that he's going to be okay then you kind of have to just go with it yeah. because the one thing McCaffrey's been doing well this year is rushing the ball really well. He's not being used in the passing game as much as we'd like. I can't remember off the top of my head quite how many passes he's getting, but, you know, Baker Mayfield's not doing anyone any favours. But if he's there, then you definitely go with him. I think if he gets ruled out, then I would be leaning towards Donna Foreman, who looked fantastic in Tennessee at times last year. He had... 133 rush attempts, 566 yards, and had a few kind of good breakaway runs. Um, and he was the better running back there than Dontrell Hilliard. And we've seen Tuba Hubbard in limited opportunities covering for Christian McCaffrey, and it doesn't seem like the team particularly believe in him too much. So, yeah, if he's out, I would lean towards Donna Foreman, who's 4,000 on DraftKings. And if he is out, I would expect Donna Foreman to be a very chalky play. Yeah, that's who, who I was trending towards, uh, like you mentioned, uh, for this one as a backup. Looked good last year. So that's why I went with it to, with as uh, kind of a handcuff for him. And then on the other side of this, Rondell Moore could be back. We're not sure yet. He's been uh, limited this week, but Kingsbury said he hopes he, they can, he can give them something on Sunday. Hollywood Brown finally had a breakout game with a whopping 17 targets last week. Are he and Murray a good stack this week, Kyler Murray, against Carolina? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I don't mind it, but I just think Carolina's defense concerns me a bit. I mean, they did a really good job against the Saints last week, and they've built a nice-looking defense over the last couple of years and probably deserved all. in DVOA is our top half of the league, yeah. I think. and I think they deserved a lot of the credit for the win last week against the Saints. So I just – I mean, I'm, I'm a hater of Cliff Kingsbury, and I've been on record again and again and again saying that I don't like what he does there. I think even though Marquise Brown saw 17 targets last week, a large bunch of them were just still shoved out on the left. They don't, they haven't connected on the deep ball. All offseason we were hearing, you know, Marquise Brown's going to be so much better off playing with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray's so good on the deep ball. And we've just seen like one, maybe two attempts deep. So yeah. I think... I don't think it's a bad play. I'm just not sure that I would lean towards that over the likes of uh, of Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson or um, Josh Allen. I think one thing I'd really like to see from a pure football perspective as well as fantasy is to see James Conner get going. Like there was a point last week deep into the third quarter where James Conner was sitting on a stat line of seven attempts for five yards and eventually went on to finish 13 for 39. And it's quite unusual to see this Arizona team unable to run the ball well because in previous years, for all Kingsbury's failings, designing run plays wasn't one. He's always been fairly good at that. So I'd really like to see James Conner play well in this game. And I'm, I might I might be drawn into playing James Conner in DFS. I think he's going to be somebody who people are largely going to ignore and he's priced at 6300 which is very palatable. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, good. some good... Good things there. Um, 
I'm going to let you take the pick this time, see, because it's from what you've said, I, I think I know where you're leaning, but I'm going to let you give yours before I give mine this time. <laughs> yeah, so noted Cliff Kingsbury hater myself will be going with uh, Panthers to cover and Panthers on the money line and under because I just don't have that much faith in either offense to really push it over 42 and a half. Yeah, all right, so I also like the under. Both of the offenses struggling. Uh, Arizona's second to last in overall DVOA and defensive DVOA, but I've, something's drawing me towards them this week. I do like them to win, to cover and win. Um, we've seen Kyler Murray, you know, again, that Raiders game just will them to victory, make things happen. Uh, if they get Rondell Moore back, that's a help to them because uh, I don't believe A.J. Green's playing. But like you said, getting James Conner going uh, potentially. So this was is a close one. One of those, I think there's like 10 games that are three points or less on the spread this week uh, that makes it tough. But I'm going to start Arizona but agree with you on the under for this one. And – Staying out uh, that way, Denver and Las Vegas. Uh, Denver plus two and a half at Las Vegas. 45 and a half point total here. We keep waiting on this Denver offense to get going, but it hasn't. How are you playing the Broncos offense until we see a true breakout from them? Or maybe it takes two breakouts in a row from them to fully trust it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a, a good few games before anyone can really trust Russell Wilson at the minute. He's really just not looking fantastic by any means, but the one player that I would have no problem trusting is Cortland Sutton. Absolutely. He's kind of, yeah, by this point, it's like he's shown that he's the clear wide receiver one in this offense. He ranks second in DYIR uh, receiver. He's dominating team target share at 27.7%. No other Broncos receiver has more than 15%. Yeah, that target share has been good for 9.3 targets per game and 97.0 yards per game, which is a really nice number. He's not found the end zone so far, but it just feels like that is coming. The Raiders haven't been a particularly imposing team. You know, we saw them fail to deal with the Titans last week. So I would be playing an awful lot of Cortland Sutton everywhere I can this week. And on the other side of that, you've got Devontae Adams came in, uh, superstar wide receiver, had another underwhelming game, though, by his standards. And he's got a tough matchup in this one against Denver, who's third against wide receiver ones. Another Mac Hollins game potentially. Where Renfro still Hunter Renfro still not practicing from what I've seen with a concussion, unless he made it out there today since I looked. But they're also only twentieth against tight end, so maybe Darren Waller as well uh, could be a good play this week. Yeah, tight end was where I was going with this one. I mean, you know, let's not take anything away from Mac Hollins. I mean, I think he scored more points last week than Justin Fields has managed in three games this year. <laughs> so he deserves a lot of praise, but. I'll, I'll be leaning towards Darren Waller. It's been a bit of a tough start for him. We've seen his uh, points decline week after week. It's, uh, you know, started off well and just gotten worse and worse. But the Broncos are poor against the position DVOA. They've allowed, allowed the third most points to tight ends across the opening games. And in that period, we've played Will Disley, Brevin Jordan, and George Kittle, who was in his first game back and dealing with Jimmy Garoppolo walking out the end zone. So I'd be quite confident in Darren Waller for fantasy this week. Yeah, and for those of you watching, I mentioned uh, Adam says that tough matchup. I mentioned that Denver is third against wide receiver ones. Those are one of the stats, the defenses versus uh, receiver positions that you can get with an FO Plus subscription. You can also get uh, defensive DVOA numbers and rankings against passes uh, on different parts of the field, short, deep, middle, left, right, things like that. You can get that with an FO Plus subscription. Again, just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. So sticking with this game but moving to that betting side, I – 
it's a two and a half point total or a two and a half point spread. Two and a half point total would be an obvious over there. But no, Denver, two and a half point underdogs. I keep picking Denver. They did finally pay off last week, just barely. I'm going to stick with them again this week. If the offense doesn't get going, uh, going to have to reevaluate backing them uh, moving forward. But the Broncos defense, third in yards allowed, second in points allowed per game. I think Denver just limits the Vegas offense uh, and and is able to kind of control this game. Uh, and therefore, I like the under 45 and a half in this one, too. So I'm going a different way in this one. I've picked Vegas. I think, you know, we're, we're in the black hole and, you know, the fans are going to be absolutely livid. You know, the, the only team who've started 0-3 in the league and – if, if this team goes 0-4, it's probably not worth thinking about for a lot of those players. So I feel like they're going to be very much up for it. Division match really matters a lot, and I'll go with the over. I feel like we can we can see a decent shootout here. Yeah, what was supposed to be the toughest division in the league has really <laughs> been extremely underwhelming with Vegas 0-3. Denver is 2-1. They do have two wins, as bad as they've played offensively and as much uh, criticism as Nathaniel Hackett's taken. And then the Chargers uh, obviously having their struggles injury-wise and the Chiefs uh, really have gotten worse as their, their weeks have gone on. So uh, division battle there and an underwhelming division so far. But we'll see if the Broncos can get it going. Going to come back to Green Bay. Uh hosting new england uh packers nine and a half point favorites only a 40 point total you've got brian hoyer uh likely playing on the other side as uh bill belichick uh doesn't really know uh day by day he's not a doctor so we'll hear more from the doctors and the team hopefully but with a severe high ankle sprain the way they've made it sound i don't don't anticipate mac jones being back really anytime soon uh on the green Bay side matt lafleur last week said Romeo Dubs will need to step up or may need to step up and have a big opportunity in week three. And step up he did. He led the team in catches and yards. He got into the end zone. ESPN's Packers reporter Rob Domofsky believes, says he believes it just might be next in line for wide receiver one role in the Green Bay offense, which is very profitable with Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback. Does that make him one of the best value plays at his cost this week? I think you have to consider him for that. I think it's going to be very difficult to look away from him if you're looking to play anyone in this game. I mean, you know, the running backs are always going to garner attention, but Romeo Dobbs is 4,500. So that's really about as cheap as it gets at wide receiver. I mean, Randall Cobb's at 4,000, but we don't need to be dipping into that zone. Like 4,500 is plenty of value and helps open up the lineup. So like you said, he's really leading the team. Last week, he ran a route on 94% of – dropbacks which is really high I mean he's practically an every down receiver at this point he had uh, 2.09 yards per team attempt which is really high his yards per target's gone up every week it's just like everything is trending in the right direction for Romeo Dubes and it seems like everybody in the team loves him so the only concern here would just be the game script isn't favourable enough to really give huge amounts of fantasy goodness on the Patriots side, I don't believe that any of the pass catches are worth starting. I mean, the tight ends are all dead and buried on New England anyway. They're eating into each other, and Hunter Henry's completely disappeared from last year. The only the only player I really will be heavily going after is Ramondre Stevenson. The Patriots lead the league in rush offense DV, DVOA, whilst the Packers rank dead last in run defense DVOA. And they'll have Vikings and Bears to combine for over 300 rushing yards in the last couple of weeks. Stevenson last week took more rushing attempts than Damian Harris, had more targets. He's 
the more explosive of the back, the more explosive back in this backfield. And it just feels like this environment could be the one where they need Stevenson, they need those explosive plays to try and get, stay in the game. Yeah, no, so yeah, no one else really on that New England team with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And then uh, with Romeo and Green Bay, it helps that Sammy Watkins on IR. Christian Watson uh, may be back this week, but he's really been uninspiring so far with various injuries and the big drop in week one. So uh, not really a ton in this game. Like you said, a low total. Uh, it's going to be hard with the game script for the, for anyone else really on that team. Um, nine and a half is a, is tough for me, the spread on this. I did take Green Bay when they were nine and a half or ten point favorites against Chicago. It hit with that Chicago. Um, however, both New England's losses have been by ten or more. The defense has struggled versus the run. Only 29th we've seen Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon kind of dominate some games together at times. I'm gonna. I'm leaning again. This is a, a homer pick as a Packers fan. Kind. I'm leaning Green Bay to cover, so I'm gonna go with it. But I will take the under in this one too. I just. I don't think uh, New England is really able to put up many points like we saw Tampa do last week. Yep, fully agreed with you there. I mean, you know, we did a couple of weeks back where we had a couple of teams who were favored by sort of ten points. Talked about how ten is a really high number to be favored by, but. It just feels warranted. I mean, you know, New England last week against the Ravens, their defense didn't look particularly imposing, and I'd expect the Packers at home to be able to put this one to bed quite easily. And that's the one of the Sunday afternoon games, so the, the last of the Sunday afternoon. So move on to the Sunday night game. An anticipated matchup, I think still not as much as, um, as the Buffalo-Baltimore uh, game, but with this one, Kansas City, Going into Tampa, down to Tampa Bay, minus one, 45-point total. I think I did see a reporter tweet that the game will be played in Tampa Bay. Uh, there was talks about that potentially moving to Minnesota with the uh, weather situation, hurricane situation down there. But it looks like it will be in Tampa. The big big story here, obviously, Mahomes against Brady, that Super Bowl rematch. Uh, what do you make of the Bucks wide receiver situation right now? So we know Mike Evans will be back from his suspension. Chris Godwin and, and – uh, uh, Julio Jones both look questionable on the side of doubtful to play. Uh, how are you playing that against what's been a pretty good Kansas City defense so far? Yeah, I think you've kind of got to have a bit of faith in Mike Evans that he's going to be able to get the job done there. It's uh, it's just difficult really looking anywhere past that. Like Bashar Perryman's had his opportunities but not been consistent. Russell Gage, the team told us what they thought about him in the way that they went out and recruited other players for the team this year. Russell Gage, if he's healthy and if he's like getting a full week of non-limited practices in, then I'd potentially be interested in him. He did have a good game last week uh, as the de facto number one. Yeah, definitely. And perhaps the team looks to get Cole Beasley slightly more involved, but Cole Beasley's 33. He's no spring chicken. And it's, you know, Russell Gage would probably be the lean, but, you know, Mike Evans is easily going to lead the attention for this one because we've seen games without Chris Godwin. Uh, Mike Evans just becomes the de facto target, like you said, and really sees an awful lot of targets and the high value targets for quite often if they're not like, Outside the numbers, deep shots, then their red zone targets. So, yeah. 
And then on the other side, outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, who you know is going to get his his targets and his attention from Mahomes, can we really trust any one Chiefs pass catcher to produce on a week-to-week basis, uh, especially this week? Last week it was Juju, but it seems like you never really know who's going to get the attention with uh, a thousand tight ends getting a target each. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I'm kind of having to turn in my Marcus Valdez-Scantling trufa t-shirt and just <laughs> deal with the fact that despite the fact that they're using him in a different way to how he's been used when he was in Green Bay and he was just being used on go routes all the time, yep. it just doesn't seem to be quite clicking. And I wrote in my fantasy fallout column on Tuesday this week that it was strange to see the Chiefs go away from Nicole Hardman, who's strangely been at the center of quite a lot of good things they've done so far this year. And I think he just had one target for one catch for like 19 yards and that was it. So there's not really anyone that I'd be looking to play because it is the Sunday night game. It will be a showdown captain game. It won't be part of the main slate. So I think, you know, you can look to work this game backwards from Travis Kelsey, or you can look at Clyde Edwards Hilaire who, had a very strange stat line this week where he had like zero rushing yards, but still finished inside the top 12 running backs because of a touchdown. So it's, it's a really tricky game to approach. I think I'd be more drawn, drawn to Clyde Edwards Hilaire than I would be to Marcus Valdez Scantling or to McCall Hardman. I think Leonard Fournette, the touchdowns are going to come at some point. Um, you know, but the Buccaneers just haven't really been running the ball particularly well. So I'm not against anyone, but it feels like you're going to have to take some punts to really end up in the money on it. Yeah, more so uh, a real, an exciting real life fantasy game or real life football game versus fantasy with the matchup there. Uh, I mentioned Brady Mahomes. Brady's three and two against Mahomes, but only one and one since uh, moving down to Tampa. Obviously, he won the one that counts. Uh, in the Super Bowl, the Bucks are the top defense through three weeks. I mentioned the Chiefs have been surprisingly good at ninth. They were projected near the bottom of the league. We mentioned Brady gets Mike Evans back. Mike Evans back, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs as slight favorites here, minus one. Um, I think there's just so many question marks on the offense for Tampa Bay. They've really struggled. Uh, last week only put up, what, 12 points. Uh, again, that was without Mike Evans, but just not a lot going right for them here so far. Uh, and like last week in that game between Tampa and Green Bay, I think the defenses also keep this one under despite the two great quarterbacks playing. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, very much in agreement, except for I think the over is going to happen here at 45. It just feels a tad low for me. I feel like, you know, we could easily see, you know, the kind of 28, 20, 21 kind of game and uh, just creep over that, but not really be it a wild shootout, but I'm also on the Kansas City side of it. It just feels like the Buccaneers aren't set up to score a lot of points at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And then move, move on to the very last one of the week uh, onto the Monday nighter, the Rams at the 49ers, another one point line. The Rams go in as one point underdogs with a 42 and a half point total. Now you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo walking out the back of the end zone, uh, like Dan Orlovsky years ago, the San Francisco offense was not good last week. But their defense is number three overall, continue to play pretty well, second in yards allowed, third in points allowed. Uh, I mentioned number three overall in, D- or in defense of DVOA. Um, <clears throat> Going to try and slow down Cooper Cup, who didn't have a big game, had his first ever rushing touchdown. But in two games against them last year, had 11 for 122 and then seven for 118 plus a touchdown. Can he continue that or is he – potentially a fade for you it's really hard to fade a guy like cooper cup but is he uh, a fade uh option this week 
I think if you're playing the single game showdown for this, then it's very difficult to look past Cooper Cup because if if Cooper Cup does Cooper Cup things and you don't have him in your lineup, there's just no chance you're going to really struggle to get into the money line without him there. So I, I will be playing him because of those games you mentioned. I mean, Shanahan has had the better of McVeigh over their matchups. I think Shanahan leads 7-4 to four against McVeigh. I don't think that the 49ers are going to be a particularly functional offense this week. We've seen star left tackle Trent Williams suffer a high ankle sprain. And when Jimmy Garoppolo's good, it's because everything around him is going right. And the more things that go wrong, the more conservative Kyle Shanahan seems to get with what he allows Jimmy Garoppolo to do. So I think we could see an okay game for Brandon Ayuk because I'm picturing the 49ers having to pass heavily in the second half things to go go after them but i'm expecting aaron donald to have a really big game just crashing through that line and terrorizing jimmy yeah and on the the ramp side too alan robinson was kind of a polarizing player in draft season had only two catches last week now only seven through three games is this going to be the norm for Robinson with uh, cup getting you know most of the attention there from matt stafford or do you think they try and uh, they still try and get him more involved or he finds a way to get more involved or is, is, uh, is it the season pretty not done for him, but, but basically, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not ready to give up hope on Alan Robinson yet. I think, you know, the team, the team need him to get going. We saw Van Jefferson go on to IR this week. And so now you're really talking about Ben Skaranek or Brandon Powell or I don't even know what's going on with two at well. He doesn't see, you know, he's had two targets on the season. Somebody who spent a second round pick on last year, but it really feels like Alan Robinson has to get going for this passing offense to really be able to do what it needs to. I think Tyler Higby is completely fine play. You know, I mean, he's still got 16 receptions so far through the season. Um, I think if you've got Alan Robinson, I would be fine benching him. I'd have no problem with that because of the matchup and because, you know, just taking that wait and see approach of seeing him actually do it before losing you another fantasy matchup. Um, But yeah, aside from that, Tyler Higby completely fine. I think if you're playing single slate DFS, Ben Skaronek is worth considering to roster because we've seen him be lined up as a fullback and use design plays and they seem to be targeting how he's got... 10 receptions on the season, which is more than Alan Robinson. So he's definitely somebody they're going to have to keep using. And one more question. Uh, This is back on the other side of San Francisco. George Kittle, he's he's back now. But with the injury you mentioned to Trent Williams, uh, you know, potentially having to use George Kittle more in line as a blocker now than than they even did because he is such a great blocker and maybe having some struggles on the offensive line. Uh, Is he – I mean, imagine if you have him in season long, you're starting him. But as far as those uh, daily those contests for the Sunday night game, what are your thoughts on on him? I think it's just George Kittle, somebody who it feels like he's not necessarily always utilized perfectly within this offense, and which is quite a strange thing to say for a player who we've seen real elite stuff from. But they don't seem to use him in the red zone as much as you'd like them to. Like you know, we've seen players like Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Their quarterbacks just lean on them in the red zone, but the Niners never really seem to do that. I think if you drafted George Kittle, you play paid enough 
at enough of a price that you're going to have to start him mm. because you look at the other options out there and it's, you know, yeah. it's the likes of <laughs> players like Cole Komet and stuff like that and Irv Smith who aren't getting it done. So George Kittle's ceiling is what we're after rather than, you know, just getting four points, five points. And he does have that ceiling. It just feels like quite a while since we've seen it come out. Yeah. So in that offense, just really – Tough. Haven't seen much from uh, or didn't see much from Jimmy Garoppolo again against a tough Denver team last week, but just wasn't a lot there. And coming into this one, they come in as favorites. Uh, a little surprising. The Rams haven't looked like the Rams of last year. Obviously, beat the Cardinals twenty to twelve. That's one we disagreed, and you were right on the under there. I took the over, and it, it didn't come very close. But our projected line has LA as a slight favorite, like less than a point, but still in the opposite direction. I agree with our line. Again, there was one last week. We had that and another one earlier this week. Um, and I like LA to win this one on Monday night football. I do think it stays under uh, except the Rams offense just hasn't seems like hasn't really gotten it going like they did last year and don't really like much out of the San Francisco offense right now. So uh, that, those are my picks for Sunday night or Monday night football. How about you? Yeah, I'm completely in agreement with you there. I think it's a game which outside of the pass catches, I don't think I want to play the running backs on either side. I think Cooper Cup's going to be the most reliable, but it could just be one of those kind of messy divisional games. And I've gone with the Rams because, I mean, plus one just feels a little too short. I know it's in San Francisco, but I'm going with the Rams because they just seem the more competent team at the minute. But I've also gone with the under. Yep, and I'm hoping for a big Cooper Cup week as well, like, like you said. Uh, had some big games against him last year, so let's hope to finish the week off strong there. So that'll do it for the week four preview show. Before we go, don't forget you can get a free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. That's available even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. Underdog will match your deposit up to $100, again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe you can get nfl betting picks fantasy advice uh premium stats and articles you get an ad-free experience and you also get access to the data a day before everyone else dropping on monday instead of tuesday without an fo plus subscription and the last but certainly not least join us on the football outsiders discord tonight for in-game conversation as well as throughout the day on sunday and on monday night for monday night football as well tom thanks for joining me as always we'll see you here next week everyone out there enjoy the action and may your fantasy teams win and may all your bets hit